This is all keeping in line here with this idea that there is one God, one teacher. This idea that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He's unlike any other God. And that's what the Holy Spirit keeps pointing us back to. And that's what John is calling his followers to believe. So, there's one of these uh, spirits that we need to believe and we need to be discerning. I think we understand this principle of what it means to be discerning because we exercise discernment uh, in a lot of times and places. Because I know when you go to the supermarket and you go to the fruit section, you don't just go grab the first thing you see. I mean, it's advertised that all the fruit there is immaculate and wonderful. But, you know, you pick up apples and you squeeze them, see how they feel. You pick up peaches and do that kind of thing. Or, and there's certain melons that you thump and that kind of thing. You've got to wonder how many fingers have been over those pieces of fruit. But we don't just grab the first thing that we see in there. We test it. And it's the same thing is true when you go to Lowe's and you're going to get some wood because you're going to build something. What do you do? You pick up that board and you look down it and see if it's straight or not or if it's bent. Because you know that they're, they're not all alike. And before you go to put it in you, before you go to eat it, before you, before you buy some wood to build something, you want to make sure it's good and that it's right. And so a question for us as believers are, is what are some beliefs that we need to start doubting? John's calling his audience to re-examine themselves. Where do we get our ideas about parenting? Or about discipline? Or about dating and relationships? I remember when my wife and I used to do this kind of dating seminar for high school folks when we worked with Young Life. The first thing we we started, we said, hey, we're just going to start this by um, opening in prayer and repenting. Because we've been in this world that has so many messages that are so wrong and they've been poured on us from such an early age with such intensity that it's, it's gotten us totally disoriented. And we need to repent of those things and believe in the one right thing. See, John knows that these are destructive and divisive issues threatening the church. And we need to keep re-examining ourselves to be sure that we're standing on the one truth. Because this is a world where there's many spirits influencing many people in many directions. Don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits. Some of us need to be better unbelievers. So in a world of atheism, we need to be believers. In our world of vague spirituality, we need to be doubters. So what do we say? We said we want to stand on this one truth by recognizing the gospel. But we also want to stand on this one truth by listening to this gospel. And this is a tremendous challenge for the reason I just said. We live in a world of such noise. So many things shouting and clamoring for our attention at all times. Uh, I got so maddened when my children kept asking me questions about Shrek. And I thought, what is this? We, we hardly ever watch TV. We certainly haven't seen the movie Shrek. 
But we just live in this world where there's like life-size posters of him at Walmart or, you know, here, there, and everywhere. And this world is just so full of messages. And it frustrated me because I, I felt like, oh, you just can't escape this world just dumping all sorts of images and messages on you and shouting those messages in your ears. But there are many other messages that are more monstrous, that are clamoring for our attention. And they want our lives. And so if we're going to listen to the gospel, this is something we just don't drift into doing. It's something that we have to choose. We have to choose to saturate ourselves in the word. Or else we'll slowly harden like clay. If you don't put water on clay, it becomes brittle less moldable to the one who wants to use it. So do not listen to the world. That's what verse 5 says. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them, but we are from God. God is our conversation partner. He's the one who defines reality. He's the one that we listen to. Didn't we just read 1 John 2.15? Don't love the world. Its desires are passing away. They're decaying. The same thing is true. Don't listen to the world. Its messages are fleeting. They get dressed up in new clothes from time to time, but the fads of this world are passing away. It's not the Christian message that is archaic. It is the message of the world. So don't listen to the world. But do listen to the teaching of the apostles. This is what verse 6 tells us. This could sound like the height of arrogance if you misunderstood it. But John says, if you know God, you listen to the apostolic teaching. We are from God, he he says. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That we there, by this we know. Whoever knows God listens to us. John's talking about the apostles, the people uh, who saw and touched and interacted with Jesus face to face. People who got got a a special commissioning from Christ. Paul says something very similar to the Corinthian church who was being pulled back and forth by many different teachings. Paul says, Boy, I'm afraid just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. We listen to the teaching of the apostles because they had a unique understanding and a unique authority to preach and speak the one true gospel. Do you remember the first question that gets asked in the Bible? We're talking about this idea of listening and who we're listening to. We think of Adam and Eve in the garden. 
And uh, after they commit the first sin, Adam takes a bite of the apple. God asks, where are you? Where are you, Adam? I've been told when God asks a question, it's not for his benefit, but it's for ours. So we should pay attention to that. Adam, where are you? What's happened? And then the second question God asks, who who told you you were naked? What voices have you been listening to, Adam? The voices you've been listening to, they've, they've pulled you off the pinnacle. You slipped off the foundation. You followed another spirit. It's going to cost you your life. Adam was so close to God. The one man who had a a perfect relationship with God in the Old Testament prior to the fall. John was so close to Jesus. And yet we drift away so quickly. We pick up momentum so fast. And so what does that mean for us 2,000 years later? Boy, that's a real call to examine ourselves. We must not listen to the world. We must listen to the gospel. It's also a call for us to know our Bibles. Because the world babbles so incessantly. And we are always hearing its message. And the world's going to shout things to us, like, look out for number one. And we have to know, as the scriptures whisper, consider others greater than yourselves. So when the world shouts, hey, it's all about you. We have to listen to the scriptures that say, no, we must decrease so he can increase. So when the world says, hey, as long as you're sincere about what you believe, that's all that counts. But the scriptures say that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What we listen to is so important. I can remember when I worked for Young Life and going, Young Life's a high school ministry. It's an outreach ministry to lost high school students. And I can remember going and parking my car outside of uh, Williams High School and walking over. And on the way over, I can remember hearing regularly, why are you doing this? Do you really think you can make a difference? What are you trying to do here? Do you think these kids care about you? And it was such a beautiful moment. And I'm sad that it took so long, but a moment when I recognized that's not the voice of the Lord. That's not the way he speaks. The voice of the Lord is a voice of encouragement and a voice of love. Our confession says, my sins and shortcomings present me with a list of accusations, but I thank you that they don't stand against me. They've been laid on Christ. And when the voice of the enemy comes and starts saying things to me, I don't have to listen to that. And you're going to find the same thing happens to you when you try to speak a good word for Jesus Christ. When you try to profess His name. Don't listen to that voice of condemnation. 
We listen to the teaching that we have heard and the voice of God. Because when we listen to His voice, then we can stand on that one truth. That's why it's so important what we're listening to. Boy, it's just so easy to be pulled off that pinnacle. So, to stand on this on this one truth, this one message, we must recognize the gospel, we must listen to the gospel, and we must also confess this gospel. As I was reading through this passage and thinking about it, verse 4 caught my attention in a way that it hadn't before. It says, little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Is that verse not pregnant with the gospel? You have overcome because he is greater. You have vanquished because he is more powerful. You are victorious because of what he did. When you were dead in your trespasses, he made you alive together with him. When you were slaves to sin, he set you free. When you were cut off, he grafted you in. When you were separate from Christ, he brought you near. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation if you continue in your faith. Before you were, he won. The more you understand the gospel, the more we confess the gospel, the more we realize it's all about him. Sometimes in seminary, I try to come back from class and explain to my children what I've been learning. Because I figure if I can articulate what I've been learning to a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, that must really indicate that I understand the concept. So <clears throat> I came back and sat down with Jack and Hannah Grace one day. Hannah Grace is seven and Jack is four. And we were talking about the story of David and Goliath. And we read through the story of how David slays Goliath with sling and some stones. And I said, Hannah Grace, who, where, are we in this story? Who do you think, who represents us in this story? Where, where are we? And Hannah Grace said, I know. Points to David. I said, you know what I'm learning, honey? I don't think that's, I don't think that's us. And she, she went, and she was looking at Goliath thinking, what, what did Goliath have to do? No, I don't, I don't think we're him. Who else is in this story, Hannah Grace? And in the background of her little uh, children's Bible, there's a picture of all these little soldiers. And I said, Hannah Grace, I think that's where we are in this story. That's where we fit. We're the soldiers that are cowering in their armor while our king fights for us. And Hannah Grace's eyes got all big. And she said, I don't want to be a soldier. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be a scared soldier. And my eyes got big. 
And I said, me either. But that's who we are. And it was about at that point that Jack said, no, I'm David. And he took a matchbox car and threw it across the room. <laughs> so I thought, well, well, might need to wait a year or two more on that. But that was a uh, picture for me uh, as we talked about that. So I'm just a cowering soldier. But I've got a king who fights on my behalf. And that's the gospel that we confess. And that's the confession that changes the world. When we are part of that army, we are victorious. All the people who confess allegiance to David, well, as a result of David's victory, they were victors. We enjoyed all the benefits of that. But that confession also challenges the world. We must challenge the false prophets of this world and their message. And when we say this, about the one true God, boy, it does. I mean, that is the one thing you absolutely must not say in our culture. Many of you could lose your jobs for making that kind of profession or confession that is in verse 3. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. But John says, there's only one truth. This challenges our world of tolerance a world that tolerates everything except, of course, intolerance. But that's the beauty of the gospel. It's God-honoring, man-debasing. It's God-exalting, man-humbling. It's the message that Peter proclaimed before Christ in Matthew 16, 13. You are the Christ, Son of the living God. You are God in the flesh. That's our confession. You know, if you struggle with pleasing others, this is going to be a challenge for you to stand on this truth. Because you're going to be tempted to take a step maybe to alter the gospel so it won't risk upsetting a relationship or so it won't offend. And you're going to have to decide, am I going to confess this gospel or will I confess another? So that's why John reminds us there is only one true message and that's the one we must preach and that confession changes the world it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes Paul writes it's going to challenge those who hear you and it's going to humble you when you say it but that's the gospel well a few years back uh, there were some men well-meaning men who, uh, I don't know personally, obviously, but they wrote some books. And these books, they were fantastic stories about the end times. And as far as stories go, they were very captivating. In fact, book after book, they were bestsellers. The whole world was listening to what they had to say. And these books really appealed to Christians. Because they 
seem to be linked to the scriptures or maybe born out of the scriptures. But I think the Apostle John would encourage us to ask some questions about an influence like that in our world. What's the source of those ideas? Is that something that's rooted in the teaching of the apostles? Or is that something that maybe is rooted in some ideas that were born in the 1800s? Where is where is that teaching going? Uh, does it square with what we've heard in verse six? As as we listen to the gospel, is does it take us in in that direction? I, I don't want to like point my finger at a couple of authors because that's totally missing the point. I don't. I'm not trying to skewer any person. I'm just. Uh, none of us have a monopoly on the truth, but I think we all have to ask. What is the source of this teaching? What's behind it? Because John has told us that the world has infiltrated the church, and if it did in his day, it certainly has, in ours. And we have to examine everything and ask what's behind it. Is it the message that we have had from the beginning? Is it the one true gospel? We must ask that about all the books we read, and we must ask that of ourselves. Why? Because John exhorts us to recognize the gospel. John exhorts us to listen to this gospel and to confess this gospel. Because there are many messages about God and the world. And those messages are always trying to infiltrate the church. And there's only one true message. That our God came in the flesh. And his name is Jesus Christ. And there will be a day when every bowed knee will recognize that truth. And every ear will hear. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You pray with me. Lord, we want to stand on one truth alone. We know it's so easy to fall off the pinnacle, to fall off our foundation. There's so many things clamoring for our attention. Lord, I pray that you would speak and that you would reveal to us the places where we are being wooed away from the one truth that you came into this world and you took on flesh. Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen. We're going to